listening to a very special following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm Scott Taylor and today bringing you an exclusive interview with the England great and the current Surrey director of cricket, Alex Stewart. We discuss some of the high profile Surrey players ahead of the international summer, reflect on the current state of the game and also discuss his role and what he hopes for in the 2023 season. So plenty to come over the next 30 minutes or so. This is the following on podcast from TalkSport with Alex Stewart. So uh, Alec, thanks for speaking to TalkSport. Firstly, how are you? And I mean that genuinely, you had a, a bit of a break and now you're, you're back at the club. Yeah, no, all good. Thank you. It's nice to be back here and um, looking forward to the season ahead. Obviously, we're a couple of games in, um, but no, it's uh, home from home to me, this place. It has been from a, a very young age and now I'm at an old age. I still like coming in here. Now you're heading into the season as defending champions. I heard you say that you actually didn't like the, the word defending champions. It's quite a negative mindset. How hard is that to address to your players and change that mindset to make them go again this year and forget about last season? Yeah, I mean, it's easy. I mean, it's just a term, defend the, defend the title, defend the championship, whatever it may be. Um, I use the term, no, we're going to attack it. But what's happened happened. Mm-hmm. You know, we all start on zero points this year. And whoever finishes on top at the end of the season is obviously the best side. Uh, we want to make sure it's us and we'll be giving it a red hot go to make sure it is. Um, so, yeah, anything about, say, defending it, winning it back to back, they're the things you look at further down the line, whether it's at the end of your career, at the end of an era, whatever it may be. Um, but what we want to see is the players and the management working their socks off to be the best prepared team to then go out there and perform. Uh, and the pre season we've had, um, I can't speak uh, highly enough of them, they've been outstanding. You talk about the points, starting on zero points. Now, the point system has changed this year. It's gone back to five for a draw as opposed to, to eight. I know it's started off the season quite well, but is there a danger towards the back end of the season we're going to go back to 70-mile-an-hour bowlers, green tops, just to force a result? Because it's all well playing positive cricket, but for counties, I guess, results and staying in Div 1 are more important. No, I fully agree. I still don't know why it was changed. Um, it's not as though it's been in for a long time. Um, my memory serves me right. Eight points was brought in to try and go away from these sort of poor pitches or result-driven pitches um, with the game finishing in two, two and a half days, which is no good for anyone. So I'm a fan of the eight points for a draw. I'm all about winning. You know, Every game you start, you go out there with the aim to win. But the flip side is, whether it's weather, whether it's a well-earned, hard-fought draw then eight points, I think, is a fair reflection of that. Uh, and everything you've said there about back end of a season when wins are a must either to win a championship, to stay up or to gain promotion, then that can create an issue, because, especially also with batting points not starting until 250 as well. Uh, the likelihood of people getting 450 and 110 overs regularly, uh, I don't think that will happen either. So, yeah, there's a few, a few point systems which have been changed, which, one, I don't agree with, but also I don't understand why they were made. If, on a batting point of view, they'd kept it at 200 or started at 200 and they kept going to 450 or even 500, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but why does it start at 250? I, I just don't understand it, but the powers that be obviously do. Do you think that's a bit unrealistic? Because it's all right, Johnny Bairstow, Joe Root, Ben Stokes playing positive cricket, going at 4-5 and over... But if you try and do it in the county championship in April, it's not as easy as. Yeah, correct. Doing Listen, it, yeah. what England are doing is brilliant. You know, when ten out of twelve, the the style of cricket they've played is excellent. 
But we all try and play positive cricket. You know, that is the thing. The ball is there to be hit. Um, you don't go out there to say how many minutes have you batted for, how many balls have you faced. It's the right-hand column, which is the run column, yeah. and the batsman's currency is runs. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't get why that has changed, because you don't go out there to survive. You go out there to be positive, both in attack and defence. And at times, you say, April, May, 10.30 starts in September, batting can be difficult. And with the five points for the draw and everything else, are you just going to say, right, we're going to guarantee ourselves three for a bowling points if we get two batting, but we get 16 for a win? Yeah, we'll take that. I don't like that way of thinking. You know, to me, it's four-day cricket. You want to win it. If you have to win it on the last, in the last session, on day four, so be it. And the other thing to remember, test match cricket is five days long. Yeah. But, listen, we can't knock England. That's fantastic. And I'm the biggest England supporter going. But we, we as county cricket people... Uh, staff provide players of the right calibre to then go up a level to represent England and perform. And you've got two openers here in Rory Burns and Dom Sibley who many might say they might not go into the basball method of playing cricket but they've got test hundreds, they're proven at the highest level. Is it a danger that, that England or because the word positive cricket they select the most 11 attacking players as opposed to the most 11 talented players and maybe perceive the word positivity. Yes, yeah, how you interpret positive. You know, that, that is the thing. As I said earlier there, you can be positive in attack and in defence. Yeah. And you have a positive mindset. You know, your first thought as a batter is, can you score off that ball? That's got to be your first, your first thought. Am I going to score? If the answer is yes, make sure you execute the shot well. Then no, you then work out, are you going to defend it or let it go? But if you start off going, I'm defending it or letting it go, and then I'll hit the ball... The ball's gone past you already. So the positive mindset is, yep, can I score off this ball? And Burns has that, Sibley has that. Every batsman worth their salt should have that mindset too. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Zach Crawley's position in the England team. Have you seen more motivation from Burns and Sibley to get back into that test side going forwards? I wouldn't say more motivation. They're motivated individuals. Anyone who's had a taste of playing for England and pulling on that shirt wants to have more of it. Burnsy, I still think, was harshly treated. You know, I still think someone who averaged, I think it was near 32, somewhere around there, having played in a couple of Ashes series, um, it's not been easy. And I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, anyone has got to average more than that as an opening batsman um, who's played more than five or six, seven games. So I don't think they're any more motivated, but I'd suggest every batsman and every cricketer playing county cricket wants to be in that test arena and in that test setup because everything that's coming out of England is it's brilliant, it's positive, um, it's exciting. So therefore, yeah, it's not just those two, there'll be 300 other cricketers doing their utmost to challenge, not just for an opener's berth, um, but anywhere in the 11. Why do you think Burns was harshly treated? Was it just the perception of, well, who else would face that Australian bowling attack and score more? You tell me. You yeah. know, that's something for the selectors to answer. Um, you know, you're always accused when you you talk well of your own players of being biased, etc. Um, Rory Burns, as I say, I always talk about the point of contact. Whatever he does before in his in his pre-ball makeup, that's fine. Yeah. You know, he can look the other way if he wants. Um, but at the point of contact, is he in a good position to deal with that delivery? Um, and as I say, he scored. I think he scored two Test hundreds, uh, averaging plus thirty. Most openers in England don't average more than 35, and that's just domestic game. Um, so to have faced high-class attacks, which Australia are, and to do what he's done, I think, as I say, he hasn't been given as long ago or as, as good a go as perhaps others in recent times. 
Let's talk about some of the players that are in the England squad from Surrey then. Ollie Pope, uh, I spoke to Ben Folks last week and he said he can see him being a future England captain one day. Having worked with Ollie, do you agree? And if so, why? What have you seen in Ollie's development? Listen, yeah, I, I'm not going to get on that bandwagon he's going to be the next yeah. England captain. It's hard enough playing for England anyway. If he gets the opportunity, then he'll do a good job because one is he's good with people. He understands the game. He probably won't like me saying it, but he's a bit of a cricket badger, cricket anorak. Um, he's a cool kid, but I know that he really studies the game uh, and he's learning all the time, soaking up all the information, whether it's Brendan McCullum, Ben Stokes, Joe Root, Jimmy Anderson, you name them. He will listen, hang on every word, work out what's right, what isn't. So if he does become a captain, whether it's at Surrey or at England, I know he'll be ready. It's a tough job. You know, we always talk about sort of the Prime Minister, England football manager, then England cricket captain, the three hardest jobs in the country. Um, so it's a massive honour and something you don't want to turn down. Um, but just make sure you're ready for it or as best prepared as you can be for it because it is 24-7. But the most important thing when you captain any side is that your primary role, and he's a batsman, is to score runs. So make sure that game is in order and then the captaincy side becomes that much easier. If you're only in the side because you're captain, that's not a great place to be. Have you spoke to him or given him advice or has he approached you for advice, especially when he was in the England team? There's a lot of talk about his off-stump guard and I guess the scrutiny is a lot higher at international level. It's all well scoring hundreds at the Oval for fun here, but I guess from a personal note, it must have been tough for him to suddenly be scrutinised so much and that that is international sport you know sport at the highest level everyone has an opinion Um, the important thing is to block out that noise and just concentrate on the noise of people that you trust and will be honest with you we worked very well with Vikram Solanke when Vikram was head coach here he's got an excellent relationship with Jim Troughton and uh, Gareth Battier head coach and assistant coach Uh, and we talk as well because, again, we're cricket people. Um, but he's got to make those decisions, you know, and that's what we're saying. So we can feed him the information. He can ask questions. We'll give him our honest answers. And then he has to work it out for himself. But what I will tell you, he's a high-class player. And I say he, I'd put him more alongside sort of your Joe Root style of cricketer than perhaps a Harry Brook or a Ben Stokes who are big strikers of the ball. He's a beautiful timer of the ball. And when his tempo is right then he's a, he's a run machine. And I think you know, what Joe Root did in that last Test match in New Zealand, uh, where he, I think he'd spoken before that game about getting his tempo right and knowing how Joe Root's style fits in with the Ben Stokes, Brendan McCullum style of play, he thought he might have been a bit too adventurous uh, early on in that. And then he's worked out that actually Joe Root's way is the best way. The same with Ollie Pope. You know, Ollie Pope, when he stands still at the crease and, produce, and presents a full face of the bat, he's difficult to get out. Um, but not only difficult to get out, he scores at a good rate anyway. Um, so he doesn't need to start being batting outside of what Ollie Pope can do and what will be successful 90% of the time. Uh, and as a batsman, that's what you want to make sure you are. You're in 90% of control of what you're doing, or even more so. Once it drops below 80, you're giving the opposition too big a chance. So make those good clear-cut decisions in defence and attack and always remember as I said earlier the ball is there to be hit and can you score off every ball or if you can't make sure you defend it. And one of those players that probably could go into that root Pope way of playing is Ben Folks had a terrific winter with England of course but what do you make of that story when Johnny came back and said I want to keep for Yorkshire people automatically assumed well he's going to keep wicket for England in the ashes then how do you feel about Ben Folks' position do you think he's like you said with Burns, probably a player that's disrespected given his record. 
Yeah, well, he's certainly not disrespected here. No. Um, you know, you're talking to his biggest fan here. Yeah. Again, it's noise. You know, the people's opinions that matter are the selectors. Yeah. You know, whether that's the captain, the coach, managing director, Rob Key, uh, Luke Wright, whoever that is, they're the opinions. So as long as they're having good conversations, everything else is out of Ben's control. The only thing Ben can control is how he keeps wicket and how he bats. Well, he's done that to the highest standard going. He's kept wicket beautifully. I said, I think it was five, six years ago, he's the best keeper in the world, and, and now other people are believing me, which is good, <laughs> and he's proved that that is correct. Uh, and he's batting, he, he's just going from strength to strength. And you don't want every batter to bat the same way. You know, and they, the innings he played right, they just fell short by, was it one or two runs or whatever in New Zealand yeah, in that last one. test? That innings that he played in the fourth innings of the game just shows how adaptable he is but also how he's able to play in certain ways you know when he has to soak it up and defend to allow the batter at the other end to play in that aggressive way that's part of being a team and being part of a partnership when he has to dominate then he can do that too so he's a highly intelligent cricketer Um, and the other stuff as I say there's that saying controller controllables he controls how he bats how he keeps but he can't control is who the selectors pick You must have been even more delighted last week than seeing him get 100 off 95 balls or so to add another string to his bro to show he can play in this new aggressive style. Yeah, of but it's, it's a new aggressive way. It, we don't get too wrapped up yeah. in, let's call it baseball. Yeah. Brendan McCullum did not christen it no. baseball. That, that's come from the media. And if you look again, going back to that fourth innings in New Zealand in the final test, I think I'm right in saying Ben Stokes scored 12 runs off about 60 balls. So you've got to adapt to the situation. That, that's a key to it. You're not going to go out and hit every ball for four or six. You can have the intent, but then be selective. as and Make sure it's 90% in your favour. So yeah, let's not get blinded by baseball, aggressive, four sixes. What are you scoring at? You're scoring at 100 runs per 100 balls. If the ball's going all over the place, you won't. And bowlers are allowed to bowl good balls and good spells. So respect it. And then you cash in when it becomes that little bit easier. Another wicketkeeper here, he's playing in this game actually, Jamie Smith. How excited are you by his development? Because looking around the county circuit, there's not a lot of keepers under 30 that have done with lines and stuff and, and impressed so much like Jamie Smith. How excited are you? No, well, again, I've known him since he was whatever he was, 14. Yeah. We bought him on a pre-season tour to Dubai when he was still at school. You know, We rated him highly then. But he's just at the start of his journey. Sounds like Strictly Come Dancing, that, doesn't it? But he is, he, he's just developing really nicely. He's obviously on the England Lions trip to Sri Lanka, uh, where he scored that 100 in front of Rob Key. Rob Key, you know, I know without speaking out of turn, because he's, he's called me about him, enjoyed what he saw. Yeah. What Jamie Smith has got to do now is back it up here with big scores, because that's how you get noticed. One, how you play, and he plays in a, in a nice way. Um, but also, uh, go back to that right-hand column, is he chalking up hundreds? People take notice of hundreds scored at whatever level of the game you play. If you get a pretty 30 or get the odd 60, that doesn't really impact the end results. Once you score over 100, then go 150, that has big impacts on, on matches and wins games. Um, so, yeah, I'm as I say, another a fan of Jamie Smith, but he's got to do it regularly. We you know, back him here, he's working hard. Um, to make sure that he can be the best player possible. He's aware, obviously, of you know yourself asking questions like yeah. this and whatever else, but forget that. Let your bat do your talking. Let your gloves do, do the talking when you keep wicket if Ben's playing for England or he missed a game against Hampshire through, yeah. through a little bat complaint. 
and just keep doing it. And then, if they want to pick him, he'll be ready. You, you talk about ways of playing there. Do you think we'll see this... I hate using the word basketball, but I use yeah. it anyway. In the county championship this year, we saw it with Durham, maybe because Stokes is the captain there and they kicked on a little bit last week. But do you think we'll see that more and more in the county game? Again, it's going to depend on the pitches. You know, you, you've summed it up yourself early on in this in this conversation with April, May. Once the ball goes off straight, it's not easy. You know, the ball is allowed to swing and seam and it does more so, say, April. Remember, remember test pitches are generally flatter, more batsman friendly. The quality of the player, obviously, is that much better. So those players who play international cricket generally understand their own game and that's why they're playing at the highest level. At county level, you've got youngsters coming in still learning their game. Have they got a method that is repeatable? Um, and by that I mean, do they hit every ball when they are you know, head in the right position, front foot in the right position, whatever it may be, to then reach a level of consistency? Because if you go out there just say, I'm swinging from a whatever, um, from ball one, every now and again you'll come off. But you want to know what you're getting. Um, so I'll be saying to every player, and this is what we've said in our dressing room, is play to your strengths. Know what you can do, be aware of what you can't do, and then work on that. But really be aware of what you can do, and then go out there and do it. But if you're going out there thinking, oh, you know, I played two maidens on the trot now, I've got to hit the next two balls for six, you'll get out. Um, so I so say it's just making sure things are in your favour, you're in control as a batsman, you want to boss the bowler, but you can boss the bowler also by defending and letting it go. But I've always, you know, I've had the mantra and drilled into me, if you get out, get out doing something, don't get out doing nothing. And by, by that I mean, if you hit one straight to cover and walk off, why did that happen? Was your thought process right? Yes, but your execution wrong. I can live with it. But if you've just thrown the bat and just hit it straight to cover without really thinking, well, that's pretty stupid. Where do you see the state of the, the Red Bull game in England at the minute, given the, the introduction of loads of franchise leagues? And do you think that's hampered players' techniques because of that? No, I think the, game, the game's always evolving, yeah. you know, at a pace as well. So I think the Red Bull game in this country is healthy amongst the cricketers. They all want to play it, or the majority of them want to play that form of the game. I think if you lined up all the professional cricketers in England and said, do you want an England test cap? Do you want an England one-day cap? Or do you want a franchise cap? I still think the majority, if not all of them, will say, I want a test cap. Because that's where you make your reputation. Your reputation is there at the highest level. And people remember test matches. And if I asked you or whatever, what was the last one-day series score when England played... Pakistan, could you tell me? But if I said, you know, what, what was the test series score, you may be able to tell me. Yeah. And franchise cricket, franchise cricket's not going anywhere. It's only going to get bigger, but we've got to make sure um, that Red Bull cricket survives, which it will do, uh, and that players are allowed to play all forms of the game. What's got to happen is the authorities have got to work out the itineraries and the scheduling to make sure people don't have to make choices but still have options, if that makes sense. Yeah, We talked about the style of cricket, England style of cricket. Do you think Ben and Brendan are conscious of the rise of franchise cricket and maybe the interest in the Red Bull game going down? So therefore, you look at the test in Wellington, they could have easily batted again, set New Zealand 450-500, won the game easily, but they chose to force a result and then lose by one run. But everyone's talking about test cricket because of it. Do you, do you think they're conscious of that? 
Yes, well, I think Ben Stokes went on record as saying he wants to make um, test cricket exciting and test cricket appealing. Mm-hmm. Well, they've certainly done that. Yeah. The flip side is, if they're winning, everyone wants to be a part of it. You can play in any way you wish, but if you lose, people don't want to be a part of a losing setup, uh, whether that's players, supporters, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they've done is say, I'll take my hat off to them, salute them and everything else, because it's been brilliant to watch. The big test is going to be this summer. Yeah. The Ashes, Australia are a good side. They haven't won here since, is it 2003, I don't think? Probably my last yeah. series or whenever it was. 2001, I beg your pardon. So we will start favourites, but we can't just assume because we're playing at home we'll win it. But I'd be very surprised if there's any seats available to buy because everyone will have bought the tickets to come and watch what should be a great contest. Have you noticed that around the ground that a lot of people are saying this is probably the most anticipated Ashes since 2005. Are you seeing the buzz around oh, it? No. When I say yes and no, it's, um, it, it's one of those where they're easy lines. You know, From a PR point of view, you want to push it because you yeah. want to make sure that every, every seat is sold yeah. um, because there's nothing better than playing in front of a full house as a player. And as a spectator, you want to be involved with something that's very, very special. So, listen, 2005, unbelievable, wasn't yeah. it? Not just the Edgbaston Test match. I was here when we, we finally regained the Ashes. I was here as a fan. And let's hope it can happen again. Um, but I, as long as we win, that is England, um, I don't care whether we win it on the last ball of the last day here at, here at the Keir Oval or, or we actually win it 5-0 and say, thanks very much for coming. We'll see you in Australia in a couple of years. Now, just a couple more. You you spoke about in previous chats about your pride of playing for England, representing your country, and you talk about the Test Cap, ODI Cap, Franchise Cap. Do you think there's a danger in the coming years that that will change? It's so right now for the generation growing up, they look up to Test cricket, but the more and more franchise cricket there is, the more and more likely people could go down that route. Yeah, well, people, you know, it's professional cricket, yeah. professional sport therefore means you earn money yeah. and show me anyone that doesn't want to earn money for doing something one that they're good at and yeah. therefore get rewarded accordingly but it's, it's, it's just working out what your ambitions and what your goals are mm. do you want to finish your career with a lot of money in the bank but you haven't represented your country or can you have represented your country and also have a lot of money in the bank mm. you know that that's what it is you know because I think um, and I hope I'm right in saying anyone who plays professional sport or has an ambition to to have any job, they won't have grown up thinking, I want to have millions and millions of pounds. I'd hope that they're growing up thinking, I want to play football for Chelsea, I want to play football for England, I want to play cricket for Surrey, I want to play cricket for England, whatever it may be. That's what you think of as a youngster. And then when it comes to the opportunity when you can actually do that, take it with both hands, please do. And then the rewards come along. But if you get it round the wrong way, then this franchise cricket, as brilliant as it is and you can earn money, it's very short. It can be very short term. They're not getting two, three, four-year contracts, which no. they do at county level. Yeah. You have one bad franchise tournament, you can be kicked out, and then where'd you go? Yeah. So that's why I say don't, don't disrespect county cricket, thinking that franchise cricket is the answer. Be a part of it, mm-hmm. but make sure that your county and your country is still vitally important. How difficult is it, or you might have seen it become more difficult over the years about the rise of franchise cricket from a sorry point of view in terms of looking after players, managing players, because Tough. they might not have been representing Surrey when they're playing, say, PSL, but player welfare is more important yeah. than ever nowadays. It's very tough and it's getting harder, harder and harder, because, and quite rightly, players want to play. Do they want to be in the indoor centre all winter, 
training hard in the gym, working on the skills indoors. They want to be playing in front of full houses in other parts of the world, earning nice money. Of course, that's what they want to do, and we won't deprive them of that. But I think we'll see contracts change. You know, as I spoke about one, two, three, some might get a four-year contract with their county if they play all formats. If you're just going to be a, let's call it a T20 player, because if you're a good T20 player, you'll then be contracted to the 100. Well, if you're only going to be available to your county for what, the T20 blast last, what, six weeks? Does that player need to be on a 12-month or multi-year contract? Yeah. That that's the questioning. Still earn the money, and the right level of money in that six-week period, but should the county be responsible for that player outside of that six-week period, and perhaps the two weeks leading into the blast, yeah. and the rest of the time they're inverted commas a freelance cricketer, where they'll go off and play for Mumbai Indians, Registan Royals, you know, yeah. Big Bash, whatever it may be, because currently how it works. They're under contract to us. They go away. They'll come back. They'll want to have coaches' time, man hours in the indoor centre, have sidearm, have bowling machine, have the expert coaches telling them what to do or advising them what to do just to get ready to go off to play in another franchise competition. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I've got a little injury, so I'll be treated by the Surrey physio, yeah. the Surrey doc, the Surrey medical staff. We'll rehab them as well to get them fit to go and play another franchise tournament. Oh, by the way, you've not fit for the T20 blast but we've looked after you for the rest of the year so and I'm looking ahead there in the crystal yeah. ball yeah. so it wouldn't surprise me at all if contracts change in the coming years yeah. we've already seen it with England talking about what well, we saw three or four four or five players playing a PSL mm-hmm. instead of playing for England in Bangladesh I think it yeah. was from a financial point of view you know that's their decision and they're not potentially first pick players mm-hmm. For England, so they took made a financial decision, which that's their decision, so we can live with that. Um, so England need to look at how they contract their players, how they pay their players, and then there'll be a knock-on effect of how counties contract their players when they pay their players and who looks after those players when they're on, not on duty with that county. Because, you know, if they play for Sydney Sixers, just to name a team as an yeah. example, if the player gets injured playing for them... Sydney Sixers don't put them back together again. No. They come back to their county. Yeah. yeah. You know, is is that right? Yeah. So I'll leave that for your <laughs> listeners to uh, perhaps consider. I probably should have asked this a little bit earlier, but we've seen, especially ahead of the Ashes this year, an influx of Australians come over play county cricket. Uh, you've got one here in, in Sean Abbott. What do you make of the the noise surrounding that? People are saying, oh, they're just coming for a net. But what can they add to a county? I'm not mistaken. Ricky Ponting was here. 10 years ago for only a short-term period. What did he do? Well, Ricky Ponton had finished playing international cricket then, so he had six weeks with us, and the impact was massive. In fact, we capped him. Getting your county cap at Surrey is one of the toughest, if not the toughest, place to get it. We capped him at the end of his six weeks, which speaks volumes of him, not just the runs he scored on the field, but the massive impact he showed in the dressing room, on the training ground, as well as out in the middle. So someone at the back end of their career get someone like that and we've been lucky you know I've been able to bring in a Pontin a Sangakara an Amla just to name three who have been unbelievable whatever they got paid they could have been paid five six ten times more because of the effect that they've had in the development of our other players within that dressing room but they're at the end of their and finished their international careers going back to your original question 
the counties that have signed these, you know, your, your Steve Smiths, Labuschagne, whoever it may be, they haven't broken any rules or regulations. So counties will do what is right for them while still being aware they want England to win the Ashes. Until the ECB say bring in a regulation where you can't sign an overseas player from a country that is touring England that summer, people keep doing it. You know, Steve Smith at Sussex, will he help three or four younger players in that three, four-week period to help grow them as players, which will then help Sussex, which may then go on to help England in years to come? We don't know. So they're easy lines. The flip side is, well, county players never go and play shield cricket before an Ashes tour or whatever it may be. Yep, and that would be the ideal world. But also remember, we've got 18 counties. There are six shield sides or state sides in Australia. So the opportunities are minimal. So it really needs the ECB to bring in a regulation to say, yes, what you're doing is fine, carry on. Or, as I said earlier, whichever touring side is coming to England to play England, you can't sign a player from that country or who may be contracted to the board because then they are close to being internationally selected just finally i appreciate your time speaking to us today your job as a director of cricket what gives you more fulfillment winning the county championship or seeing three or four players from the sorry team represent england how do you judge your success and i'll add another question which you could have asked is bringing players through our academy onto our system so all three now and that and i'm when I t- um, was asked to do this role and took on a role and a challenge of, of um, being director of cricket here, they were my three challenges for me. And I said to the club, that's how I want you to challenge me, is are we producing players through our system to come on to our staff to ideally go on to play for England? Are we producing our own players to play for England? And can we be the best side in the country? So winning the championship is massive. We haven't won the T20 Blast yet since I've been in this role, so I want to tick that off. We hadn't produced players for England for a period of time. In recent times, we have. And I work on trying to have 60% of our staff coming, having come through our system, uh, which we've currently got. So we're doing all right here, but we're never just going to sit back and go, well done, job done, anything but. Once I start thinking that, kick me out, because we want to be the best. As every other county will, will say, they want to be the best. Um, but we're good here. We've got, obviously, magnificent facilities. The dressing room, the hard-working people. We've got quality players. We've got high-quality management. And also, I, I say that the office on the first floor here, they work their socks off to make... This is a 24-7 place now. Yeah. You know, Yes, it's a cricket ground and a cricket club, first and foremost. We should never forget that. But the amount of work that people put in to make sure that the conference and events business is brilliant, you know, brings in the money um, to make the club what it is, to make the ground what it is, to allow me to perhaps have a marquee for X thousand pounds for six, seven weeks of pre-season, which other counties may not have. But we won't spend money we haven't got. We've earned the right through hard work of, from the chief exec and the chairman down to make sure that we're looked upon as the biggest and best club then it's down to us as players and cricket management to ensure that we live up to that reputation and then earn the right. Big thanks to the Surrey Director of Cricket, Alex Stewart, for his time there. And if you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back on Tuesday with Neil Manthorpe and Steve Harmison for the Cricket Collective. 
And we'll also have live commentary from the IPL on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday afternoon over on TalkSport 2. So plenty to look out for across the next week or so. But for now, this has been Following On. <laughs>